looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey, what's going on? My name's Ed Ackerman, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey, folks. It's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles. Boy, do we have a good one for you today.
This next guest is from a small rural township of Columbia Station, Ohio, which is just outside of Cleveland. What many fans may or may not know is that he spent time and graduated from University of Akron and became a top-rated radio personality with the station WZIP-FM. He was also known in the home base of Cleveland as being a recognizable face throughout the comedy scene with performing along with the cast of Cabaret Dada, which is the longest running improv comedy theater in the Cleveland area for two years before making his way to LA in 2003. Many of our fans would recognize him from Adam Green movies such as Hatchet 2 or Frozen, but this next guest, Ed Ackerman. So, Mr. Ed Ackerman, how the hell are you, sir? I'm good, man. So it's, uh, it's Friday, so uh, it's been a crazy week, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to a long weekend. There you go. I want to bring this up because you mentioned us via the email exchanges and such. You had mentioned about virtual auditions and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So with the past, what, 18 to 20 months, give or take, has that been uh, the norm for you? And it you has, like that? yeah. I, um, I last, uh, last live audition I had was for a, a, a tiny role on uh, 911 on Fox. <clears throat> and uh, I shot that like uh, probably mid-January of uh, 2020. And everyone on set started getting sick. And I, I think it was like more so colds and stuff. But I noticed that uh, the, when the pandemic was kind of coming down the pipe and people were starting to talk about it in January, uh, a lot of talk on set. And you'd see like uh, crew people wearing like uh, those RZ masks and stuff. And, and you're just kind of like, they, they seem to be uh, onto something there to not get sick. And, and, and then, you know, two weeks later, after I was done with that shoot, it was like, all right, let's, uh, let's all sit inside for a year because that's going to happen. And uh, yeah, so then everything became uh, after oh, Hollywood shut down for a couple months, it felt like. Uh, there was nothing going on. And then uh, it started kind of slowly back up, uh, opening back up. And um, yeah, there's COVID protocols in place. I booked a couple jobs last year and had to get the nose swabs and, and then the health screens. And every day before even stepping on stage, you had to get another nose swab. And uh, everything as far as auditioning is concerned has been like at home on on tape. So we as actors, we've learned to buy studio equipment, like stuff off Amazon that could, you know, set up little home studios that got the backdrop and the lighting kits and all that stuff and the microphones. So it's been interesting. We've had to all learn how to edit if we didn't know to how already. So, <laughs> well, that's a good thing to be able to put on the resume. It just says I can do this, this and that. Which yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. As long as it's all on the iPhone, we're totally cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because we, we're starting off with the virtual stuff and I'm trying to remember dates two weeks ago, we were as a show hosted a hatchet watch along, but you were committed to a family issue. Well, I I, I shouldn't say issue. No, it it was a good thing. I went back home to visit my, my mom for the first time in three years. So it was a good thing. But while I was home the last like two days, I got completely crushed with self tape auditions. Speaking of, 
And so I didn't get to see uh, nearly as enough people that I wanted to. But then again, you know, you, you don't know who's vaccinated, who's not. So you're trying to play it safe while traveling. So it was a whole thing. But regardless, I didn't get to do much last like two or three days of my trip. But yes, I'm, I'm back in, in town now. So I'm, I'm glad we got to sit down and talk. Yes. And uh, home originally is. Cleveland, Ohio, it's yeah, it's it's a small rural township outside of Cleveland, Ohio, called Columbia Station. It's it's awesome there. I, I grew up with uh, farms and tractors and and fields and woods to hunt in and ponds and lakes to fish in. It's it's it was a, it was an awesome childhood. Uh, it's kind of like a Norman Rockwell painting, I like to say. And um, yeah, it's a great place to go back and, and, and see family and friends. And obviously you are a graduate, as I mentioned in the intro of university of akron yes sir and obviously i know and i guess we'll touch base on this uh, that you were a disc jockey as well but yeah we're also known on the comedy scene in that area and such of cleveland so what did you actually study in school there i studied radio broadcasting yeah i in high school uh there was uh there's a rock station in uh, cleveland called wmms 100.7 the buzzard and uh, listening to MMS growing up as a kid with all the alternative rock music, your Pearl Jam, your Nirvana, things of that sort. Um, that was that was mainly what I listened to growing up. And there, there was a DJ on there on the air that uh, every time when he opened up the mic, it felt like he was going to say something witty or funny. And so I always wanted to pay attention to what he was going to say next. And, and as, a, as a kid, you know, in high school, trying to figure out what you want to do for you know, the rest of your life. Uh, I, you know, I considered myself, I saw myself on, on the radio and, and, you know, making jokes and telling stories in between songs and whatnot. And um, yeah, I, I went to uh, the University of Akron because they have an awesome college radio program, uh, WZIPFM. Uh, they're ranked number one in the nation for college radio. And uh, I think they've switched up their format a little bit. They're playing more uh, different uh, genres of, of music. But at the time, they were a hip-hop and R&B, strictly hip-hop and R&B radio station. So as far as college radio is concerned, they, they separate themselves in college radio because, you know, if you wanted to come in and play uh, jazz for four hours, you know, a lot of college radio stations would be like, cool, we got a jazz guy. And then I want to come in and play reggae for a couple hours, you know. But this was straight hip-hop and R&B. And uh, it was an awesome experience. And, and doing different voices and different comedy bits on the radio kind of uh, got me into wanting to do sketch comedy and improv comedy, like whose line is it anyway? And uh, that got me into the whole acting situation and, and a, a career blossom. So I uh, had a lot of fun uh, doing stand-up comedy when I started and then uh, sketch comedy, improv comedy. I was a cast member of Cabaret Dada in Cleveland, which is the longest running improv group in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, I, I got to the point where I got an agent and, and I booked a uh, commercial for safe auto insurance. And uh, it was played in like three states. And I kind of realized, hey, I just um, reached the top pinnacle of success when it comes to like entertainment in, in, in Ohio. And if I wanted to do other commercials and, and TV and film, I decided let's get serious about it and make the move to Los Angeles. So I, I did that in 2003 and I've been out here 18 years now. So hold on. Yeah. Carrot of seven Oh three. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> according to the notes and yeah, but you know, it's funny how much radio has changed. Like you said, there's a especially for me in the Philly area, a lot of the stations have changed in terms of, they all seem to play the similar genre or right. mix of that. 
and thankfully we still have a true rock station and MMR and you have a few general staples, but it's changed in such, you know, I can't figure it out anymore. Yeah. I, I think um, iHeartRadio and, and a couple of the bigger companies that came in and gobbled up all the all the stations back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. I think they kind of like uh, redesigned how radio is city to city, um, you know, and there still are independent radio stations out there, which are real awesome. And, and you know, it's it's a good it's good to have variety. But I understand what you're saying. But yeah, you guys got a Philly station that rocks. That's cool, man. Uh, yeah, it's been around 55 years. Nice. It was, and it was funny. I had a one of their legendary disc jockeys, and yes, he's still a disc jockey, folks. Awesome. Pierre Robert on several years ago. And we were talking about just such the changes. And uh, and the cool part about them is where we record it, I was lucky. They said, come over to the studio. Oh, awesome. Had, which it's like, okay, great. Drove over and they we recorded in a what they call studio R because it's where they play the actual vinyl records. This particular oh, cool. Yeah. So that's all. Awesome. But you mentioned about the cabaret da-da, and all that fun stuff. But when you got out to L.A., yeah, you were involved with a Acme Comedy Theater. Yeah. So was that similar to what you're doing as far as the cabaret in Cleveland? <laughs> You know, it was uh, it was different because I, I in a cabaret data in Cleveland, I was doing short form and, and then starting to do more long form improv, which is you're making it up as you go along. And uh, at Acme uh, at the time when I first joined, they were just putting in an improv section into their classes and training program. Uh, but I was more interested in getting into their sketch side of things, the sketch comedy and writing sketch comedy, uh, performing it. And then I also started directing it uh, after I made my way up the ladder at Acme. Um, but it was, yeah, it was an experience like no other. Uh, we did a, a show called um, Acme This Week, which was uh, basically like a, an SNL where we had a new celebrity guest host every week and we had a live music artist. And we did this live sketch show on stage. It was at the beginning of when like, we were starting to like broadcast the shows online. And uh, it, was, it was really fun, man. It was a really good time. And I think the video quality at the time must have been something else. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. yeah no, when it we was look just, back now. Yeah. It wasn't so great. The, the quality wasn't so great. And, and more particularly the sound, because the sound sounded like you were just like a little tiny mic on top of the very tip of the stage, getting all the footsteps, all the voices, all the echoes. And that's essentially what they had, I think, at the time. It was this little tiny mic. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was a good time. Yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun at Acme. Yeah, well, at least for our audience, and first of all, and I mean this with all respect. Sure. I owe you, I know some will say it either way, I owe you a fuck you. And this is ba- and this is based off the character of Jason Jason from Frozen taking one of these, and f- Jason's laughing because I reached into my pocket and pulled out a hundred. For those who haven't newsflash, folks, for those who haven't seen the Adam Green film Frozen, Jason plays the guy who was in charge of the ski lift and took a bribe yes. and all that fun stuff and uh, <laughs> all the mayhem ensues so he was laughing because i pulled out the money that he was bribed with in the yeah, movie yeah <laughs> yeah so all kidding aside though and 
I know you've done multiple projects with him, Frozen, Hatchet 2, and such. And he's a Northeast guy as well. And he joined Adam us. Green. Yeah. Yes. He joined us at the end of the watch along. Oh, awesome. Ago. Yeah. Great guy. But what was your experience working with Adam? I mean, wow. Yeah. I just, um, awesome in every facet, uh, every, you know, from the very beginning, uh, I was going through, um, I was going through a horrible breakup, uh, at, at the time, uh, when the audition for frozen came in and, um, I, I showed up for, for the audition and I was hanging out in the waiting room and uh, a buddy of mine who you might be familiar with, uh, from films and roles, uh, in, in acting, uh, Zach Ward, he played Scott Farkas in, uh, uh, the Christmas story. Yes. The bully. And so, uh, yeah, so Zach was actually auditioning for the same role as the ski operator and Zach was going through a horrible morning as well. So I'm all like, you know, completely like swelled up cause I'd been crying cause you know, this girl broke my heart and, uh, Zach shows up and he's just like angry and red. And I'm like, what's going on? And I knew Zach because Zach actually and I worked together doing sketch comedy together at Acme. So I, you know, I had a friend in the audition room and uh, I was like, dude, what's going on? And he goes, oh, I just, I dumped my motorcycle on the way here this morning. My garage got broken into. I'm like, whoa, what? And he looks at me, goes, hey, can I borrow your ski jacket? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I had this like big puffy goose down. Oh, it was actually it was a vest. It was a big vest. Cause they wanted us, you know, for wardrobe as an actor to, to show up, like we're, we're working, you know, at, at, on a ski mountain. Right. And so I had this big poofy down vest on and I was like, yeah, man. And, and he didn't have any kind of wardrobe. He, he looked like, you know, Zach coming in for a regular audition, playing an office worker for all, you know, you know? So I, I gave him the jacket and, and my, my beanie hat and he went in there and he auditioned, he comes out, he goes, thanks man. And I just, I had this great visual because he was just, he, he's a smaller guy. I'm, I'm six foot three. Uh, at the time I weighed 320 pounds. So we're talking about a three XL puffy goose down, you know, vest on, on a smaller guy. And I, and I just, I gave him a hug and, you know, we, we departed ways and hung out since then. But yeah, um, I, that was very funny, but in the room, Adam was awesome. Um, they, they, they laughed and it, it parts of what I was doing, which I thought was interesting because I wasn't trying to get the laugh as a comedy guy. And um, the, the, the line, particularly when um, Emma's character is uh, trying to uh, suck up to me to get on a ski lift. And she's like, what's your name? And I say, it's Jason. And she goes, oh, I have a brother named Jason. And I look at her, I'm like, that's awesome. And like the lines like that were just, you know, making these guys smile. And, and, and you know, I, I felt good about it, but I didn't think anything of it. As you do, you go in, you do the audition and it's on to the next. And uh, I booked that role and I, and I, you know, we went, we shot in Utah for a week. So I stayed in a ski lodge and uh, I, you know, became friends with all those guys. And then uh, a couple months later, um, I get a call from Adam and he's like, Hey man, he's like, uh, can you take a meeting? And I said, yeah, what, what, what do you want to meet? He goes next week, blah, blah, blah. He goes, come down to the studio. He goes, um, you know, I, I want to talk to you about something. And I'm thinking, cool. He's going to show me maybe some of the scenes from frozen. And he starts talking to me about hatchet. And I knew that Adam green had done this movie hatchet and I, I, I hadn't seen it at the time. And, uh, he gives me a, a DVD copy. He's like, yeah, take it home, give it a watch. He goes, I, I, I wrote you a role in Hatchet too. And I'm like, oh, you know, so yeah, Adam's awesome. And he's become a good friend of mine over the years. And uh, I just actually reached out to him last week 
Uh, my cousin, uh, when I was home, uh, comes up to me and at a family thing and he goes, Hey, Uncle Ed, I, uh, I think I really want to see Frozen this year. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I realized he's at that age where, you know, he could watch it as long as the parents are okay with it, you know. And uh, so I decided for his birthday that I, I, I bought a copy on- online and, and uh, got it delivered here. And so I called Green up. I said, hey, man, if I come over sometime, can you autograph this for me for my, for my nephew? And he's like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I love Adam Green. I I love what he does. He's he's just an all around awesome dude. And it was funny during the marathon, but anybody I've talked to who knows him or has worked with him says that it's amazing how much he remembers, whether it be the dialogue or the footsteps or even even though most of everybody has everything written down with their script for what you're doing for the day. He he's like Oh, well, do this, that, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's without nothing in hand. Yeah, no, his, his mind, you can tell that he's one of those people uh, when he directs, his mind's going a hundred miles a minute and he's going down lists just like, you know, you know, back and forth and then still able to stop and have a, a conversation with somebody and then go right back to what the task at hand. He's insane. He's, he's, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he, he probably pushes himself way too much, but I mean, he, he writes, he gets a lot done. He, he's, he's a worker bee. And you know, what's funny and I'm not knocking him because we will sit down and interview him mm. eventually, you know, with that busy schedule of his, yeah. but it's funny. He, and I guess it's a good thing the way he described it though. He won't ever admit of what he's working on. No, no, he keeps everything Stay close to the vest. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, you know, I, I thought he was calling me in to go over scenes or, you know, give me notes of something I did wrong on, on Frozen. And he's already, you know, in his head, he's working on Frozen still, you know, doing post-production. And then he's already churning out ideas for Hatchet 2 at that point, you know? So, yeah, it's he, he and that whole group that he puts together, that's another thing, too, and a testament of who Adam Green is. He finds when he when he casts these people to be in his movies, it's like we create friendships and bonds that that I don't see on any other sets. I mean, I'm friends with people I've worked with on other sets, but not as many friends that I, you know, I, I have a friend circle that all relates back to Adam Green. And and Adam Green's part of that friend circle. It's insane. And not just the acting, but production as well, whether it be cinematography or editing. It's yeah. that same sick. That same group that stays together for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that group, and he was the stunt guy on Frozen, but obviously known as Victor Crowley. Sure. Mr. Hodder. Yes. And we're friendly with him as well. Yeah. And he would tell you this on air, but if I text him right now, he would admit to it as well, because that's uh-huh. the kind of guy he is. Oh, I, I, I know Kane well. <laughs> so, so you'll be able to answer this question and know where I'm going with this. Did he fuck with you at all as far as pranks? He's one to pull pranks on people. Um, he, he did not. He did not. He... Uh... Kane and I, when when we bonded, we bonded on that snow mountain uh, in Utah shooting Frozen, and uh, I had no idea that that he, you know, obviously I hadn't seen Hatch at the time. I had no idea that outside of the mask, he was Jason Voorhees. 
Um, and, and it's not like, you know, people are walking around going, blah, 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 blah. that's Jason Voorhees. Like everyone knew. And I felt like the odd man out because I had I, literally ignorance. And uh, I remember we're in this little, uh, this uh, ski kind of uh, supply shed that we turned into like a, a warming tent area uh, for when we weren't on set. And we were all still out, you know, in the middle of the snow and cold. And uh, Kane and I are hanging out and we're talking back and forth. And, and he's telling me, you know, yeah, I'm an actor. He's like, but, I, you know, I do a lot of stunt stuff as well. And I think it was Sean Ashmore. He goes, hey, ask Kane to see his tattoo. And I go, was it there? yes. Yeah. So Kane looks at me and I go, can I see your tattoo? And he flips his lip around and it says kill. And I'm just like, God, man, I love you. You are just awesome. It, it was just, yeah. Uh, Kane's one of my favorite people. Um, yeah, obviously from Frozen and then uh, the death scene in Hatchets, you know, he's dragging me around the swamp and, you know, pushing my head under the water. And I, I did that stunt myself with three broken ribs uh, mm. from another job. I broke ribs and uh, I showed up to set and I, that was one of those uh, moments where I got the look from Adam Green like, oh boy. <laughs> and we made it right. We fixed it within a matter of minutes. Uh, Rick McCollum, uh, who uh, was also in Hatchet 2. Uh, and is also a stunt man. Yes, he's he he's in the shot. He dressed as me. He doubled me, and he's in the shot when Victor Crowley jumps up and pulls Cletus into the water from the boat. Because we, when we got to set with my ribs all jacked up, I looked at that. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do like a somersault in the air comfortably, you know, in you know, and and land and and feel safe about that with these ribs all jacked up. And so Rick stunned me on that part. But then when it got to the cutaway of me in the swamp with Victor Crowley and Kane, uh, that's, that's actually me. And that swamp was horrible. There was a lot of goose poop in there and it sits at the bottom. And then when you start working in there and splashing around, it, all it, that it. smell rises <laughs> up. <laughs> well, since we're doing this on video, I was scrolling through my phone when you said about the uh, injury to the ribs. Yeah. But so... Ed will be able to see this, hopefully. That was an injury from Hatchet 2 as well. Oh, my God. When he uh, tore his bicep, Kane. I didn't know that that happened. That was on Hatchet 2? Yeah, that was Hatchet 2. Wow. When, that uh, is incredible. When that, that was because uh, we were talking to R.A. Uh-huh. A couple, couple months ago. Another great guy, stunt guy, actor, yeah. the whole bit. And we were sitting debating, and he tells the story where Kane tore his bicep. And that's yeah. one of those weird injuries that you can either have surgery to fix or it heals on its own. Right. It's just one of those weird injuries, depending on where you tear it. Yeah. And I'm like, no way. He goes, and I know Kane's tough, right? I go, so we're yeah. sitting there debating whether or not for five minutes, whether he fixed it, I text Kane. He sends that picture. He goes, what do you think I did? That's insane. And so. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, and he's. he's and he finished a project like that. Yeah, that's how Kane is. He's he's awesome. He he's a true professional, and he forever will be. I mean, the guy. I can't speak enough good words about Kane Hodder. I do have an RA Mihailov story though. Go for um, it. I got to hear this. Yeah, no, um, and I haven't gotten. I didn't get one last year with the pandemic because I figured everyone was pretty much staying in to where they where they're at. But uh, in past years, ever since uh, RA and I have worked together. Uh, in October, he goes out and he does the whole horror circuit and, and does all the, the cons and the festivals and stuff and the signings and everything. And uh, every time he drives through Ohio, he calls me and like, I, and I pick up if I see him call, but sometimes I'll get the voicemail message and I, and the voicemail messages crack me up because it's, it's literally RA driving 
And he's like, hey, Big Eddie. Uh, hey, brother, it's uh, it's R.A. Mahaloff. Just uh, cruising up 77, going <laughs> northbound, going through Cleveland, thinking about stopping on the on the west side and getting me a po' boy sandwich. Ah, uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks, all right. I but, appreciate the shout. But, but, but that, and hit that man's defense. And I was supposed to go see him in Gettysburg, but it didn't work out for me schedule wise. Yeah. He was at one of those shows. That some bitch does know his food and beverage. I will say that he loves food. Yeah, when we were when we were shooting in Louisiana, we found this really good restaurant, this little little corner restaurant that was kind of snuck away. And so a couple of us went in there and we're like, you know, took a look at the menu. And we're like, this looks awesome. And I got uh, I got a big bowl of a uh, 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 crawfish bisque soup, and okay. it was exactly everything I thought it would be. It was wonderful, awesome. And I got halfway through and I, I had a po' boy sandwich and that was awesome. And then RA and a couple other people come in to join us. And uh, he's like, what's good here? I'm like, everything is really good here. I'm like, dude, try this soup. And I handed him my bowl of soup and he's just standing there. And I started talking, I think to AJ Bowen to the right of me. And all of a sudden the soup bowl lands in front of me. I didn't even realize it. I just kind of heard the soup bowl clunk down. And I look, the dude ate a half a bowl of soup. I swear in like a gulp. It what just was it? One out. of these? Yeah, I, I I didn't see it personally. I don't know, but I, he ate a large, half a large bowl of soup, like 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 drinking water, and then stuck the bowl in front of me. I, and I was like, I wasn't done with that. I I, was, I said try it, not. Uh... I was still enjoying that crawfish, that crawfish bisque, man. It was good soup, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I didn't mind. I actually got a second cup of it, so yeah. <laughs> Oh hell! But uh, as far as Hatchet's concerned, yeah. Uh, now, obviously, he showed you the DVD, the first one. You mm-hmm. worked on two. Yeah. Did you watch three and four? I watched three, and then I uh, I got an invite, like most of us, to a uh, Hatchet's uh, screening uh, for their anniversary. I think it was ten year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you probably know what happens. Uh, we all got there and at the Arcalite in Hollywood, and it was a big what to do, red carpet, lots of interviews. And uh, we all get seated. And, and I think Adam got up there to say something, and it dawned on every single one of us that didn't know that we were there to see Hatchet 4. So that was, that was really cool. Yeah. So as far as uh, the whole series is concerned, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you be a horror fan or not, but where do you think the series stands, not just as a horror series, but in general, as far as the storytelling, just everything that goes with it? I mean, you know, if you if you see if you see one or two of the Hatchet movies, you know, I think you should watch all four of them. You know, it's it's fun to see how the stories tie in. And the story keeps going. And, and, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's a throwback to those 80s slasher films that many of us grew up watching, you know, and, and it's something that was done in the past, like 10 years. And, you know, it's, I think it's fun. It's fun. And, and, you know, when you're, you're, you're looking at it, Hatchet 2, I believe was, uh, went unrated at first. Yes. And uh, some of the stipulations that they were putting on the film were just kind of like, really? I mean, at this point, you know, some of these kill scenes, uh, for instance, when um, uh, uh, Dave Foy's character, Chad, uh, gets beat up uh, with, the, with the hatchet, 
in the swamp uh, in front of Cletus. Um, I forget exactly how many times that hatchet smacks him in the face until his face just kind of implodes in on itself. And it, it gets to the point where it's almost like, gross, sick, oh my God, cool. And then it just kind of gets like, really? This is getting <laughs> funny now. And, and so the humor kind of comes out in it, you know, and, and everyone kind of laughs nervously and you realize I'm allowed to laugh at this, yeah. you know? And, and so I, I think um, where, the, where the series stands, I think it stands on its own. I think it's, I think, you know, it is what it is. It's yeah, and it's just funny because, like you said, it was unrated. And yeah. the story, I won't get into the story. It's out there, folks. But it's AMC bought the movie to be shown in the theaters unrated as is. Then three or four days later, snapping. Oh, you know what? We're not going to show it no more. We got too much backlash. Yeah, exactly. And it goes back to anything, whether it be politics, movies, entertainment. Don't you realize what you bought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, maybe some of those people should have sat down and thought about it, you know. Uh, yeah. But it, you know, the people that came out to see it enjoyed it, you know, exactly. and, and it, it became kind of a cult thing where it was like, "Hey, that was in the theater for only a couple of days. Did you had a chance to see it, you know." So they raised its stock, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, but it is what it is, and I think it gave it more popularity. As you said, you did 911 a couple spots last year. You also did, I want to mention, a couple spots as the character Nate for Young Sheldon. Yeah. That are a couple episodes there. I know there's probably going to be some more in the works with how that series goes with CBS. We'll see. But, yeah. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. You know, hey, I, but what can you say? What you got coming up? Um, right now I am, am, I'm like most actors, man, I have nothing coming down the pipe. Uh, but you know, I could have an audition pop in sometime this evening or, you know, first thing Tuesday. Um, so I'm looking forward to the long weekend and more particular, I'm looking forward to football season. I'm a big football yes. guy and I'm a big Cleveland Browns fan. And, and, you know, if you know anything about NFL football and the Cleveland Browns in particular, you know how much heartache I've been experiencing for basically my entire adult life. And so this is a good time to be a Browns fan with that team shaping up the way they are. And yeah. Go Baker. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a Philly fan, that's awesome. Thank you for saying that. Yes. I, I pay attention. I'm, and I'm, you know, I might catch some heat from you for this, but I've always enjoyed the Baltimore Ravens. And we all know that story, Cleveland, right. Baltimore. Yes, that, they used but, to be the Browns. <laughs> yeah, the original Browns, yes. But one of the big things is, made it feel good for me in liking them. And people could say what they want. But he's now with the Eagles, Joe Flacco. Flacco, yeah. He played in Baltimore. Yeah. And he has local ties prior to playing with Philly. Okay. And he, he grew up where I live. He grew up about two and a half miles away. Oh, nice. Went to Delaware University. Right. Then he went on to play in Baltimore and the journey went. So, yeah. well, he's, he's certainly has beaten my team many, many times in his career. So, <laughs> yes. So, long story short, at least for a lot of us in this area, he's a local kid done well. Good. And, and, we, and we appreciate it. How many folks can say they had a Super Bowl MVP grew up three miles from them? Right. And have be in that same inner circle of, yeah. Oh, you know this one? I know that one. You know what I mean? That just yeah, yeah. being around it. 
So, you know, uh, from a local standpoint, it's like we're glad to see he did well yeah, in his career. For sure. And just so happens there's ties there with Cleveland. If yeah. We, uh, well, no, no love lost, definitely. Yes. <laughs> uh, so where can folks uh, find you social media wise, all that fun stuff? Social media. I'm on Twitter. I have a very small Twitter following. It's it's I, d- I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I, I'm not, a uh, you know, constant tweeter all day type. Uh, my tweets are mixed between entertainment, sports, politics, uh, life. Um, I'm, I'm sarcastic. Uh, I do have a little comedy into the tweets. Um, and they're always coming from kind of a uh-huh side of view of things. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as well at, at, at Ed underscore Ackerman. Both of those, Twitter and Instagram. So, so at least from the Twitter side of things, and I just followed you this afternoon. Oh, thanks. But I'm curious to know, it's good to hear that you're not one of those that people need to take your phone away, like certain politicians. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, everyone's pretty smart to the fact that it does feel like the world's burning and uh, you got to find some happiness in that. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to hear you're not one of those. OK, Ed, put the phone down. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> so. no. I get yelled at by the wife if I was. So, yeah. And, and I hold the phone too much as in her opinion as it is. So, <laughs> yeah, you you don't want to get in more trouble with a message. Right. That's for sure. <laughs> Ed, thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Awesome talking to you. is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sent you. Crazy Train Radio. Don't take a nap.